You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, a faith community that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, listens deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, courage, and compassion works to create a more just world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. Would you rise and sing with me? The hymn is three, four, seven. Gather the spirit, harvest the power.
In a house which becomes a home, one hands down and another takes up the heritage of mind and heart, laughter and tears, musings and deeds. Love, like a carefully loaded ship, crosses the gulf between the generations. Therefore, we do not neglect the ceremonies of our passage when we wed, when we die, and when we are blessed with a child. Let us bring up our children. It is not the place of some official to hand them their heritage. If others impart to our children our knowledge and ideals, they will lose all of us that is wordless and full of wonder. Let us build memories in our children, lest they drag out joyless lives, lest they allow treasures to be lost because they have not been given the keys. We live not by things, but by the meanings of things. It is needful to transmit the passwords from generation to generation. Welcome to this carefully loaded ship of love this morning that crosses the gulf between the generations, that crosses gulfs between identities, social locations, and life experiences. Welcome to this house that is always becoming a home, where one hands down and another takes up the heritage of mind and heart, laughter and tears. Welcome to this community of faith where we build up memories and joy in our children and in ourselves, where we willingly share the keys and the treasures with those who come next and welcome them in with joy. Today we welcome each other to a day of ritual and celebration as we dedicate our children and bear witness to the wisdom of our youth. As we remind each other of the tender and tenacious flame that we carry within and that is sheltered in community. Welcome to this community where we are loved exactly as we are and where we are loved too much to be allowed to stay just this way. Because here, change is expected. Growth and transformation are part of the journey for each and every one of us and for our community as a whole. Perfection is a misguided hope of the past. Progress and possibility are what we strive for together. Welcome to friends and family who are here to share in these moments of celebration. And welcome to all of us who have set aside time for story for singing, for celebration, for shared spiritual practice. It is so good to be here together. Let's take a moment to arrive wherever we are, to settle our bodies, our minds, our spirits. For me, I take a moment to plant my feet on the floor. Maybe it's a moment to notice where your body is touching the ground, the pew, wherever you are a moment where we share in three on-purpose breaths, going at our own pace, connecting across time and place.
from this place of connection. We join with Ida and Kate as they lead us in lighting the chalice. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another. Come sing a song with me that I might know your mind. That's really the song. Would you rise? Let's sing together. Come sing a song. families bring six children, six children to be dedicated at First Universalist Church. May, Anna, Melvin, Tristan, Aiden, and now at 11 o'clock, Jack. What an honor and a joy it is that we get to be dedicating ourselves now. Because in the ritual of child dedication, we recognize all of us, not just these families, but we all recognize how deeply we need one another. And we reject the idea that each family is or should be a self-contained unit. We acknowledge together that families transcend the limits of blood and law, and we recognize your family as you have gathered it and created it and honor the commitments and love that define it. As we recognize your need for vibrant communities to witness and unfold you, we promise to be one of those communities, a spiritual home. In our ritual of child dedication, the congregation pledges to support you on the journey as your child grows. In truth, we dedicate ourselves to you. We will help in your times of need. We will serve as religious education volunteers and mentors. We will be in parent gatherings together. We will celebrate this and many more milestones together through the years ahead. Every day that a child is born is a miracle. 
an opportunity to recognize the power of love, a day to give thanks for the beauty of the earth, a day to recognize that no one is brought up alone, and that every person born might be a savior to the world. We recognize all who have gathered here now and those who are away from us in distance and time. We honor the ancestors who have left this world, but not our hearts. And we welcome them here into this time with us as we make sacred promises and bless one another. Children of First Universalist Church, those of you here in the sanctuary and online, all of you are an important part of the child dedication ritual. And your part is first. So I'm going to ask you three questions, and at the end, if you agree, you will say yes. So children, will you show this little one how we care for each other at church? Will you welcome and accept them just as they are? And will you play with them and be a good friend to them? If so, please say yes. All right, children. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. <laughs> that playfulness, especially. Adults of First Universalist Church, in welcoming and dedicating yourself to this child, you acknowledge your role as guide and as teacher. So I have questions for you as well. Will you pledge yourselves to the well being of this child? Will you promise to care for him? Will you help his family raise him to love justice and live with compassion? Will you work for a peaceful, just, and sustainable world that they might grow to the fullness of their potential? Will you enthusiastically welcome them as unique and precious as they are, that they might experience this congregation as a place of belonging where they are known, encouraged, and loved? Please respond out loud or in the chat. We will. We will. Yes. Welcome. I invite us to continue settling our body and spirit as we prepare for a time of prayer and meditation together. It's an opportunity again to notice your body, maybe to shake out or shake off any tension that you're holding, an opportunity to arrive right here, wherever you are, a chance for us to breathe together across time and place.
Love that knows no bounds, no conditions, no exceptions. Love at the center of our faith. Love that leaves no one out. Love that reaches and expands and names each of us and those we will never meet as holy, whole, worthy, wanted, and welcome. Deep, boundless, universal love. Love that calls us to expand the circle wider still. Love that stretches beyond the bounds of country, culture, and prescribed family structure. Love that demands no one left out. Deep, boundless love. With each action we take, with each prayer, with each on-purpose breath, every time we tend to our anger or make room for our grief, every time we act to include, to offer hospitality, to bring peace, each time we listen to understand instead of to persuade, every time we offer these gifts to ourselves and each other, we are building up the banks. We are making way for the riverbed and the waters that will surely flow. We are making channels for the stream of boundless love. Deep, boundless love. Each of us carefully loading that ship of love that crosses generation to generation. Centered in a love this big, we turn our hearts to those around us who are celebrating or who are struggling. Our hearts reach to Emma and to Lauren as they have shared their news that they are preparing to leave their positions on staff here. We bear witness to their care and discernment and to the love and presence they are bringing to this time of transition. May they feel the love and appreciation of this community and know our blessing as they go on to travel the next part of their journey. And may we care for them and each other as we feel the particularity of this loss and also the not so distant echo of other losses known. We celebrate this week that the housing bill has passed both the House and Senate. Yes, this historic moment in Minnesota where there are investments coming in home for all that total more than a billion dollars. Our hearts reach out today to all of our Muslim siblings in the Twin Cities and beyond. The Masjid al-Sunnah Mosque in St. Paul was vandalized on Friday morning in an act of religious hatred. You may remember that just two weeks ago, two other mosques were vandalized. This kind of hatred tears at the fabric of our society, and we unequivocally denounce xenophobia, bigotry, and white supremacy, and stand in solidarity with the Muslim community. Our hearts reach out to all the children who were dedicated this morning and all who will care for them and teach them. To all of us who have now dedicated ourselves to them, 
our lives too will shape this world that they live into. Our hearts reach out in love to our coming of age youth who spoke their truth yesterday and will do so again today. To all who might be struggling with addiction or illness or separation, to those suffering with loss both clear and complicated, to those who are feeling stretched in every direction, feeling lonely or left out, seeking peace in their hearts and their lives. We send our love. And we invite each other now to say out loud, to type in the chat, to hold in our hearts the names of those we are carrying. We send our love. And together we pray that the grip of addiction might be loosened, that the weight of oppression might be lightened, that grief might be shared, that joy might break through, and that love might make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. On the stone steps of my family church, my mother once gave me a pin of a brass dove that she said would remind me of the comforter whenever I needed it. I imagine the dove might have been singing this song. I'll ask you to sing it with me. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be someone take this part? I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be your standing stone. I will stand Put the two parts together. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be your standing stone. Someone's saying, ah, finally. I will stand by you. Someone? I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. 
I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by you. I will be, I will be, I will be, I will be. Will you choose your favorite? or at least one to partner. Let's sing all of them together. I will be lost I will stand by you. standing stone I will stand by you I will be your standing stone I will stand by you As our babies grow towards adulthood, they pass that sacred threshold moment we call coming of age. Yesterday, a group of 18 youth, about 14, 15 years old, who have been learning together since September, shared their spiritual statements with their friends and family. Three of these brave youth have volunteered to share their statements with you this morning. Lucky you. Spiritual statements may include things about belief, but more than that, these statements are about where our youth put their trust in things beyond themselves. As a faith tradition, Unitarian Universalists hold to the principle that in order for faith to be vital and real, you have to be free to question and wonder. And in order for faith to have meaning, we have to be responsible with our search and with the answers we hold true. Rather than tell our children what they must believe, we offer them options and invite them to discern for themselves. Magnificent and pretty rare. This is not a faith, however, in which you can believe anything you want, contrary to popular opinion. It's a faith tradition in which we ask what are the truths that will grow our souls 
enliven our communities, and make our world better. So that is what our coming of age class did together. We wondered, we asked questions, we spoke truths, we made paintings, we expressed ourselves. In order to do so, we used our own life experiences, our reason, the sciences, our faith tradition, and sacred texts such as the Bible, Buddhist teachings, the Tao Te Ching, and a book of UU poetry and songs to help inform our spiritual search. We hope you will receive these statements as fresh spiritual texts, revealing facets of the truth in the world. May our hearts and minds be open in this sacred time of witness and love. I introduce to you Max, Isla, and Rosada. Hello, my name is Max Rosiel, and I use he, him pronouns. I go to Southwest High School and will turn 15 in a little less than two weeks. I have pale skin, long brown hair, brown eyes, and I'm six feet tall. My spirituality tells me that I believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every human being. I believe that no one is born with hatred or malice in their heart. One trait that comes with that belief is forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most important ideals to me. I also believe that there is a line that must be drawn when forgiving others, but people can always change. I want to tell a story about how I learned about forgiveness. I was exposed to the internet a lot more during COVID and met many people over video games who live far from here. One person I met, we ended up playing more after that initial game and became friends. At one point, that person used the F slur like it was as simple as saying buddy or mate. I was immediately taken aback by this and unsure what to do. Ultimately, I decided to confront them. They knew the word had a connection to LGBTQ+, but did not know the weight it carried. I called them out for what they said and explained the negativity and hurt the word can bring. He profusely apologized for it, but I was still apprehensive about the situation. I took a risk and continued being friends with him, and I'm glad I did. Recently, about 18 months later, he has come out as bisexual and is now dating a man. This has led me to believe that trying to lead someone to fix their mistakes with patience and understanding often yields better results than simply walking away. Now, why is this ideal so important to me? What have I taken away from thinking about what makes me, me? I've concluded that what matters most to me is people. Being with people, laughing with people, arguing with them, forgiving them, and even struggling with them. Spirituality and sacredness to me are my experiences with others and the memories I hold so dear to my heart. However, there are certainly other pieces of the puzzle. I spend much of my free time staring at photos and videos of grand mountain ranges and towering skylines. I've always been intrigued by cities and nature, but until summer 2022, I never actively sought it out. After traveling to the mountains of Montana, the picturesque Scottish Highlands, and charming Scottish cities, something clicked in my brain. I had never felt so strongly about something I want for my future. To not just visit the gifts our planet has bestowed on us, but experience the food, foods, 
languages, and temples we built ourselves. Honestly, I hate setting goals. At the same time, discovering my love for the world has led me to believe it's unhealthy to wander aimlessly through life. Even if your goal in life is to find a goal in life, having something to look to is one of the best feelings I've ever felt. Thinking a little closer to home, it's hard to picture my life at this point without climbing. Two times rock climbing, um, two times a week team practice, one to two other days by myself. For a couple years now, I have been lead climbing. While nowhere as dangerous as free soloing, which is climb with no protection, I never do that, lead climbing is considerably more risky than standard rope climbing. This means I have to put a lot of trust into the person belaying me. However, the key place I have to put my faith in is myself. Every hold I grab onto makes me more and more anxious about whether I'm doing things right. Despite my anxiety, I've only made one mistake in lead climbing since I got out of the beginner phase. The biggest obstacle on a lead climb is my own distrust in my capabilities. But I do feel that this has been a positive experience for me. I've never felt inclined to take big risks, but the rewarding feeling of finishing a lead route makes the scary experience worth it. Even now, I am taking a risk by being up here. This is so important to me because, as cliche as it sounds, life will never truly be satisfying unless you take risks. Thank you. Hi, my name is Isla Meisenberg. I'm kind of tall. I have short brown hair. I have pale white skin. I'm wearing a long blue skirt and a blue shirt. My love for church has been a very interesting story. When I was younger, I didn't like church that much. I would always put up a fight for going. Once I reached about eighth grade, though, we had OWL, and it was one of the best experiences ever. I learned a lot about myself and other people around me. I so badly wanted to come to church and I was excited to do coming of age. We started talking about what we believe in and what stuff had shaped us as a person. I didn't, I didn't know if there's something out there, but it's nice to think that there is something. I know that I don't believe it's a singular being, more like a group of them. I have a lot of relatives who believe in Jesus and Jehovah, and they have a lot of opinions about him. I've had a lot of experiences with people telling me what to believe in, a lot by my extended family, and it has been a journey. I've heard a lot about how people think Jesus was white and Christian, which I think is hilarious. From the great words of Trevor Noah, only Catholics can eat, the, can eat Jesus's body and drink Jesus's blood, right? Yes, but Jesus was Catholic. No, Jesus was Jewish, well, yes. So you're telling me if Jesus walked into the church right now, Jesus would not be allowed to have the body and blood of Jesus. <laughs> I feel that being human, because I'm 100% a human and not an alien, is a very important experience, but it can be difficult. During the past year, a lot of things have happened with my family. My uncle passed away a few months ago and it hit everyone really hard. Throughout the time, from when I found out he had passed away to his funeral, I had thought a lot about what I believe in. I was really close to my uncle and he was the best. He was going through a hard time at the end and I just so badly wanted to see him. He was so supportive of me and he would give the best gifts. And if you ever needed a question answered, he could give it in a second by giving you the more, most important one ever, 
a one-word phrase, science. I've always thought that when we die, we don't actually leave. We come back as an experience, another being, or something else. The day my uncle died, I watched a movie with my friend. Later, I was talking to my aunt, and I told her the movie that I had watched, and she said that was one of his favorite movies. It was my own way of feeling more connected, even though he wasn't here anymore. Whenever I think of God or being above us, I always think of something that doesn't decide what happens, but helps us learn along the way. It's, nice, it's a nice way to explain the things that are unexplainable or that are just too confusing. I've always loved Greek and Norse mythology, and it has helped me learn about my spirituality. I connect deeply with Greek mythology and some of its stories. They are comforting, and yet they are also deep lessons. My favorite Greek story is the story of Hades and Persephone. It is beautiful, and yet also so tragic at the same time. It is the story of summer and winter. Persephone gets to stay up in the human world for six months of the year, and for the other, she is down with her lover. My love for Norse mythology has come a lot from the fact that my brother's name is Odin and that one of my middle names is Raven. In Norse mythology, ravens are supposed to be messengers. They bring messages of good or bad to all people. I have always kept that close to my heart. The ravens are also protected by Odin, and my brother has always taken care of me, even if he was annoying and his ways of protecting me were a bit unconventional. <laughs> I have found it comforting that you can always find a god or goddess to believe in and hold dear to you. We all as humans have different ideas of what is out there, and none of us are necessarily right, but we're not 100% wrong. No one really knows what happens or what is truly there. My beliefs and my spirituality have helped me with many things and they have kept me going. And the most important thing to me is that with believing in something, there are always other people who believe the same thing as you. Without even trying, you become part of a community that is bigger than you. And I have found that I have been able to connect much more with my friends and family through talking about what I believe in. Hi, my name is Rosana Mamdani. I have light brown skin, dark brown wavy hair, and I'm wearing glasses. Why believe in a god? A god that is a notion, an idea, not a fact. Not a real, tangible thing that you can hold between your fingers. In a world where science exists, why put your faith in the divine? Why pray? Why meditate? Why does a notion of a higher power center me? And where did I get this notion of a higher power from? When I was 11, I experienced a traumatic event. While that event is one of the worst things that has ever happened to me, it is one of the most important moments in the beginning of my relationship with God. In that moment, I needed God. I needed the support that came with it and the knowing that there was a higher power out there that could support me when the world around me was too much to handle. Howard Thurman writes, give your anxieties over to God, for they can hold it when you cannot. This quote exemplifies one of the key aspects of my relationship with God. When life becomes more than I can handle, when the people around me can't give me all the support that I need, when my depression or anxiety or PTSD is at its worst points, I give it over to God. I let God hang on to it for a little while when I can't, knowing that when I'm ready, I can have it back. My God is, isn't something that controls or dictates my life, more a tool that I have in my back pocket for when I need it.
However, this relationship, like all others, needs to be fostered. I do this through prayer. I pray every night. Not only does this ground me for my day and prepare me for my next, but it reminds me that I have something that has me, that supports me unconditionally, and that I can go to when things get hard. I trust God. We live in a world where science can explain a lot of things, but it also misses a lot. I would rather trust that there is something out there that knows than spend my whole life trying to find answers for the mundane things. Something who will help me with the big questions, but not give away all the answers. Something who will offer guidance and support, but isn't too overbearing or too much of a know-it-all. I really like control. I love getting to control every situation and everything around me. It's kind of my thing. But I've come to realize that if I let go, if I drop some of that need to control, I have more space and time to live. I can live and grow into the fullest version of myself. But I don't give away control to just anyone. I do, however, give it over to God. Like I said, I trust God. I let, I let go of control and give them the things that I don't need to hold on to. That is one of the most vital ways God has changed my life for the better. So why pray? Why believe in God? Why place my faith in something that I can't prove? Something that nobody else sees? Something one might tell a child is their imaginary friend? Because God isn't real. It isn't tangible. But for me, it's something you can trust when real tangible things fail. One of the things I love so much about this faith community is how we are expected and we do change and grow over time. In all the stages and ages of our lives, we are discovering again where we put our trust, what we believe in, what matters most to us, as we encounter each other's particular stories, as we grow and share in all of the wisdom of the ages, as we experience things in our lives that we are grateful for or not so grateful for. We learn and grow. Our spiritual lives continue through all the stages of our lives, and yet we can find ourselves here, here in this place of deep, boundless love. Maybe you've heard me use the phrase before, there's no such thing as other people's children. There's no such thing as other people's children. There are no other people's children. That's one of the things we experience here. All children are our children. We are all children of that boundless love. To me, there is no greater statement of universalism than this simple phrase. There are no other people's children. We belong to each other. We belong to each other far past confines of law and blood. It is up to us to name and claim and welcome into this large circle, this ever-widening circle, each and every person. There are no other people's children. I say it sounds like universalism to me, but it is also Unitarianism. If we go back in time to 1870 to Julia Ward Howe, Unitarian, founder of Mother's Day, 
with her Mother's Day proclamation, she said it a little bit differently, but said essentially the same thing. Here in the gendered language of the time, she wrote this after witnessing the carnage of war. She said, arise, arise all women who have hearts, whether your baptism be that of water or of tears. Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We women of one country will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure others. A proclamation for peace. A call to have a heart too tender for those of another country to be training anyone to injure another. This is the origin of Mother's Day. I would say it is a call to all of us for peace, for an ever-expanding understanding of family and of who is included in that. What if our hearts were too tender? What if we really believed that we belong to each other, each and every one of us? What kind of world might we create then? A place where true learning and love and growth was possible at all ages and stages of life. May this be the spirit we cultivate in ourselves. Hearts too tender to allow harm to come to any. A place where love is so big that no one is left out. May it be so. My name is Lori Stevens, and I am your Cummins Ministerial Intern for this church year. And on this day that is all about becoming and growth and education, I would like to share with you a little bit about my year with you. Though I've been here since August, you may not have seen me very often, especially on Sundays. That's because much of the work that I needed to practice this year was the behind the scenes parts of ministry, of which there are a lot. Week-long shifts on the pastoral care hotline, meetings of ministerial colleagues in the Twin Cities and the Midwest region and Atlanta and Wisconsin for support and professional development. And administration, like working on the visionary goals process that some of you participated in, the racial justice rubric audit, the budget meetings, the board meetings, the staff meetings, an incredible variety of things that happen beyond the sanctuary that make church happen. Another one of my major focus areas has been with the coming of age class, which met most Sunday mornings, that's usually where I was while you all were in here, and concluded yesterday with the magnificent spiritual statements that you witnessed earlier. Coming of age was, I'll just say it, the highlight of my internship. It has been such an honor and a joy to work with the burgeoning young people of this congregation and of this faith. All these areas of the congregation that I've been involved in have strengthened my skills and ministry in ways I will treasure for years to come. In December, 
I passed my meeting with the Ministerial Fellowship Committee, which is the culminating test of a UU minister in training. When I complete my internship here in June, I will enter preliminary fellowship and be ready for ordination. And I'm also pleased to announce that I have been hired as the one-year contract minister at a small congregation in East Tennessee called Foothills UU Fellowship. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be returning to the place where I was born, particularly as Tennessee, as some of you may know, is going through some exciting and tumultuous political times. There, our faith and our values are important, even in places like the South, especially in places like the South. I feel well prepared for my next chapter because of my strong and varied education during this one. I am so very grateful for this congregation for hosting and funding and teaching me. Our offering today will go to the Cummins Ministerial Internship Fund to educate the next generation of UU ministers. I invite you to give generously, not for myself, but for the interns who come after me and keep our faith thriving. There will be options to give, projected options online, and our ushers will come around with baskets. Our offering will be gratefully received.
make channels for the streams of love that they may broadly run. And love has overflowing streams to fill them, everyone. Would you sing with me? The hymn is 299, make channels for the streams of love. Rise with me and let's make a voice. Make channels for the streams of love that they may broadly run. And love has overflowing streams to fill them everyone. But in eternity we cease such channels to provide the very forms of love for us will soon be parched and dried for we must share if we would keep this gift or As we prepare to head out into the world in whatever ways we do, I invite us to join just as our families did this morning, not just in dedicating their children, but ourselves as well. As we too dedicate our thoughts and our words and our deeds to the larger love that knows no bounds. May it be so. Amen. We share a very special last moment together in singing a song that in the old Hebrew story, Ruth pledges as affection to her mother-in-law. It goes, where you go, I will go, and your people will be my people, your divine, my divine. While we've got a second, just breathe in the promise that we're making to one another. It won't always be easy. Let's pledge it anyway. With love, will you stand? And with rhythm, let's sing. Thanks for listening. If you've been comforted or inspired by this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org slash donate to make your gift. We'd love for you to join us 
in person or online on Sunday mornings. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.